Welcome to Inkwell, a podcast from Houston, Texas, for anyone engaged in the world of reading and writing. Inkwell is brought to you by Tintero Projects, which showcases the work of national and international Latinx and Latin American writers through readings and workshops, and Inprint, a literary arts nonprofit which, since 1983, conducts readings, workshops, and other programs to promote creative writing and reading and supports writers. Inkwell hosts Jasmine and Lupe Mendez, writers, educators, activists, and founders of Tintero Projects, will interview emerging and established writers from across the United States with energy, wit, and fresh perspective on what it means to ink well in this day and age. And welcome to another episode of Inkwell, a collaboration between Tintero Projects and Imprint Houston. I am one of your hosts today, Jasmine Mendez, sitting across from a special guest host. Hello. <laughs> Daniel Peña, um, because today we have the pleasure of interviewing um, my actual regular co-host, Lupe Mendez. Say hi, Lupe. Hi. And I know uh-huh. he's all weirded out that he's on the other side yeah. of the table. This across. is awesome. I'm you now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, Daniel gets Except to like the actual height. People should be, <laughs> and not this. <laughs> and if you all remember, uh, Daniel was one of our first, if not our first, were you uh, our second. first? Second. Our second. Our second. second. Our second. Uh, beat me to it, man. <laughs> our second Inkwell, Inkwell podcast interviewee. Guest. What you call it? Guest. Okay. Guest. Guest uh, for his book, Bank, which, Bang, not Bank. That was. Boom. Yeah, Bang. <laughs> bang. So if you haven't picked that up yet, uh, please do. But uh, he's going to be uh, our co host for today. And yeah. we'll be uh, drilling Lupe with uh, questions because his new book, Why I Am Like Tequila, drops this weekend. What? Yeah. Um, so we're super excited. Cover, yeah. Very I really very love nice. this. Very nice. It's a it's a guy that looks like Lupe holding a magay. Is that you think that looks like Lupe? I think he's got the beard, you know, and like that's she's reduced you to a beard, man. <laughs> to a beard. That's to a beard. That's all I am. A beard and a. I can kind of see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so for starters, um, I think what uh, what Daniel and I had had talked about you know, discussing and thinking about is this idea of like what it means to be a Texas writer or yeah. a writer from Texas or uh, writing from these regions, this area. Um, and, and Daniel actually had like a really awesome story about that or just, you know, yeah. what, what are your thoughts? I remember it, <laughs> it's such a, it's such a fraught thing. I feel like no other region, people love to hate Texas, mm-hmm. you know, and it's one of those things that I think if I were not from Texas, I'd be like, oh man, because it's a, it's a, it's an objectively um, idiosyncratic culture. Mm. I was going to say problematic. Okay. And problematic. <laughs> okay. um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's sort of like, you know, uh, I remember I remember one time I was invited to this, um, it was like a New Year's Eve party thing. And there was a bunch of writers there. Uh, and a writer uh, introduced me to, to another writer. Um, and she goes, oh, I've heard of you. You're the regional writer. <laughs> And I had nothing yeah. on her. I had nothing on her except, you know, that I was like, well, it was weird because I don't really write about Texas that much, but I'm mm. just from Texas. Right. But it's one of those things. And I had nothing on her. She's like a New York Times bestseller. I remember, and I felt some kind of way about it. And then later, I sort of had a different relationship to it. When you're not putting on a performance, when you're sort of like in your own sort mm-hmm. of like idiosyncrasies, or you can get to some truths mm. that you might not be, um, say, if you're trying to put on a voice or if you're trying to, you know, and there are sort of truths that are sort of everyday truths that are just like in your latent sort of everyday day to day. Who was it that said, you know, the extraordinary isn't like ordinary people doing extraordinary things, but it's about 
ordinary people doing ordinary things extraordinarily. Mm-hmm. Where's the extraordinary care? Mm-hmm. I feel like that's so much of this collection. No, you know? I'm like, yeah. I got goosebumps now. <laughs> no, they, like you take these really like Texan, well, it's not even Texan, it's like Tejicanidad, you know, yeah. like, um, mm-hmm. then I'm like, oh my God, I've never seen that articulated like this, not even on the page, but like yeah. anywhere. That's and it's, it, it was, it was a real pleasure, uh, for me to like sort of see that in here, uh, the sights and smells and the texture we're going to talk about it. Cool. Um, cool. yeah, but I think it's, yeah. I mean, I definitely think it's, it's relevant. I think for the, like with a lot of my work, um, living, um, in Texas and now I guess being from here after I've been here for 20 years and being like Dominican, right. I always yeah. say like Afro Latina in Texas, cause it's like such a, an anomaly. It's just like a weird thing. And so I do think that like the landscape and the people and the environment really colors my experience um, of what it means to be like Dominican in Texas. Cause again, I'm not in New York. I'm not in Florida. I'm not in these spaces where most Dominicans live. So it's kind of like this, this interesting um, complex sort of existence that I live. And I think that it definitely, you know, it is in my writing and I make sure that it's in my writing because I don't have the same experiences as many other Dominicans do. Um, But it also, I think helps highlight the fact that like there are Dominicans everywhere, right? Like all over the U S. And so when you, you know, kind of reaching out to those people as well saying like, I I get you, I see you, you know, we're, we're here. Um, But then a lot of the things that I've been thinking about too, in my writing lately is this idea of like how, um, when you're not, a, when you're like Latinx, right. But you're yeah. not around your like country of origin of Latinx and like how that influences like yeah. your identity and your understanding of things. Um, you know, like I wear like the big floral, like Mexican shirts yeah. and I love Frida and I eat tacos, yeah. and, you know, like all these things that like I just do because it's like not the next best thing. Cause Luba's going to give me side eye if I say that, but it's like, it's as close to, to like my, you know, Latinx like culture that I'm yeah. going to get. Right. And it's, I'm surrounded by it all the time. Um, and so at this point I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, I do, you know, often worry, like I don't want to appropriate like Mexican culture. Um, but I've been here like 22 years. Here's the thing with like Houston is there's so many contact zones, hmm. like just driving from like a leaf East or into the Galleria, mm-hmm. uh, further east into Segundo Barrio and then into mm-hmm. the Fifth Ward, like, you're going to run across the entire cross-section of Houston, man. Yeah. You're the Southeast Asian community, yeah. uh, the various Latino communities. It's right. not just, like, one Latino community. Right, it's, like, right. Mexican, Dominican, Guatemalan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All Honduran. that stuff. Honduran. <laughs> yeah. All of it. And so it's, like, one of those things, too, and it's, like, that's Texan, too, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sort of decenters it. But there's something, like, I grew up in Austin, and spent a lot of time in San Antonio. That's where my mom's from. And then uh, a lot of time sort of visiting her family in the Valley, Matamoros in Mexico and stuff like that. But there is this, I can't explain it. The, um, my brother said this one time where he ate, uh, picadillo Mm. and he said, this tastes like the dust from Wilita's couch. Like, you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) you know, that sort of, it's like, but it's a very specific, Mm. not like, not like, um, He's eating the dust, but the smell, no, the yeah, sort of yeah. the um, the synesthesia mm-hmm. of it. But like, I can't explain it. It's not. It's the it's oregano. Not, it's not. It might be that. It's, <laughs> it's, but it's like it's that. It's that like like the things when you know that you're doing the things that are the everyday piece, like yeah. how the process of creating a meal or how picadillo is created, like. Unless you're doing it in that particular yeah. fashion from a particular region, yeah, there's other ways of preparing it. But well, like the minute you said it, I, the very first thought for me is like carne picada at my tia's house in San Benito when she's yeah. making like I don't know, and then with whatever the, it's the like other associations, it's, it's yeah. like it's a so the humidity a, of I'm the like, sink. Oh, it just it smells yeah. old. It just, just it's can't just a thing. Not yeah, be a guess. But it's like I'm sorry, <laughs> it, but it's the texture. 
of Galveston. It's a texture of San Antonio, yeah. of San Benito, into northern Mexico. And I loved that this collection brought in, like, it connected that Tejicanidad to, like, Norteño music, mm. Tejano music. It's a, it's a part of Texas that I feel like has been characterized and sort of, mm-hmm. like, or caricaturized. Um, but hasn't really been explored on a sort of textural level mm-hmm. and it's like kind of magical in this collection yeah yeah and I, I mean i definitely i like and appreciate too that um that what Lupe is able to do um and a lot of his work is like he doesn't shy away from yeah. those regionalisms right whether you see that as a negative thing or yeah. a positive thing like he's like no texas gulf coast this is where it's at this is where i'm from this needs to be on the map um i know he and i are constantly talking about you know how you know, a lot of like California Mexican American writers sort of, yeah. you know, are on the scene and get well known. Chicago Mexican American writers yeah. are on the scene, get well known, even, you know, like Arizona or um, uh, New Mexico and that kind of thing. But, you know, where the Texas, like Gulf yeah. Coast Mexican American or just Gulf Coast writers, period. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. where where are we on the map? And, and, and yeah, I don't know that... Um, I think people like say regional as like a, as a bad thing sometimes or to downplay. Cause yeah. I remember even once, um, one of the first like AWPs that, um, Lupe was going to go to, uh, Tony Diaz proposed uh, a panel on the Libre Traficante movement yeah. and the feedback that they gave him was, Oh, that's too regional. And he's like, yeah. wait, <laughs> See, but I think this <laughs> you know, is, this is where so. I think what's interesting with like, like what Guy Vanderhey was saying, where he was like, you can explore the sort of the, the radical truths within your sort of idiosyncrasies. I think this is the kind of thing he's actually talking about, which he's saying like, when you're not, like when no one's looking, mm. you can do magical things. Mm. It's like, you ever, you ever yeah. run down a hill and then you, you trip yourself and you do a front flip and nobody saw it, but you're like, oh, that was magical. That was great. Ah, <laughs> nobody, I wish somebody saw that, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But you can do that on the regular in yeah. Houston. Yeah, you can do that on the regular in those communities that are, and it's also the thing too, like the best piece of advice I ever got was like from Ernesto Quinones, who was like, you never know what the future needs. Mm. I love that. It's terrible, but future didn't know that it, it didn't need Juno. Mm. The future doesn't know that it needs, you know, uh, that it needed Moby Dick, right? Like mm. that book was like in just, you know, after it was written, it was like, it, it just was like, it was like the calm before the calm. It just came out and nothing happened. And then like, you know, 20, 30 years later, it was like, whoa, Melville and stuff. And that's the beautiful thing about literature. Um, but I also think Gulf Coast letters will have its time, you know, a regional writing will have its time. Uh, but I also don't think this is like a regional writer book. Mm. This is like a very much a transnational book. And I feel like this is a sort of the thing that, um, especially, you know, it's interesting. I, I want to get your take on this. Like, is, are you, would you consider yourself Chicano? Mexican American. Mm. Um, so that's it's a really loaded question. Yeah. We can edit this out. <laughs> no, this is so that's <laughs> a question that I'll have that we can get to this after is, in our next segment. Let's do it. Let's do that. <laughs> let's, let's, let's do that. that. Let's um, do that. But later. Can you say that one quote so we can end on that one more time? The future doesn't know. The future, uh, you don't know what the future needs, mm. um, and and that's true of everything of music, of literature, of 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 art. Um, you always hear about the artists who are like super famous after they're dead. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things that I feel like you can do magic on the daily, uh, in Houston, but also I don't, that's not to diminish Houston writing or even as a regional thing. Cause it's very much transnational, international. Um, you explore a lot of that in this book. And on that, we'll be uh, back for our second segment where we will hear some words, some poetry from Lupe Mendez um, and ask him some questions, some tough questions, some personal questions, and uh, we'll be back. We're back. 
Awesome. How you guys doing? How you guys? Yeah, hopefully, hopefully feeling good after that first uh, insightful. Take a bathroom break. Uh, (laughs) Wash your hands. You wash your hands. Right. Yeah. 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 Gotta do that for sure. Um, So with us today is uh, Lupe Mendez, my uh, guest co-host. Daniel Peña is uh, filling in for Lupe because he's in the hot seat. I am Um, you. Yes. yes. Do I can say anything yet? <laughs> no, yeah, you can. You can speak now. Uh, and so, so uh, Daniel, can you tell us a little bit about uh, Lupe? Give us some of that background. Uh, yes. Uh, who is he? In addition to being uh, one of my very good friends, poet, teacher, and activist Lupe Mendez is the author of the poetry collection Why I Am Like Tequila, Willow Books 2019. His poetry has appeared in Hunger Mountain, Luna Luna, Tinderbox Poetry Journal, Rabbit Catastrophe Review, Revista Syncope, Pilgrim border senses gigantic sequence and gulf coast among others mendez is one of the founders of the libro traficante movement and of tintero projects a texas-based grassroots organization that works to provide a platform for emerging latinx writers and writers of color within the gulf coast region and beyond he's received fellowships from cantomundo macondo and the crescendo literary slash poetry foundations poetry incubator and earned an nmfa in creative writing poetry from the university of texas at el paso uh, Mendez lives in Houston, where he has worked as an educator for the last 19 years and currently serves at Poets and Writers Literary Outreach Coordinator for Houston. Uh, incredible poet, uh, good friend, co-host of this show. Uh, feels good to be you today. <laughs> What's up? Yeah. Uh, I, I'm going to suggest Daniel do the show. I'm just going to retire. Like it's, more, no, more it's yeah, awesome. It's you guys have so much more energy than I do. You, <laughs> no, you guys have energy through the mic. Um, I, I feel like I'm, I'm constantly trying to get some of that from you guys. Like, <laughs> you're yeah, awesome. This is like sleep deprived. But you guys are, you guys are like everywhere. I mean, how do you, how do you do it? Uh, I, you're so involved in everything, man. I, so Jasmine will probably roll her eyes at this, but the, it's the extrovert part of like, yeah. I, he really I, enjoys it. I enjoy being entre la gente, like yeah. doing stuff, um, being involved in, in, what makes up a group or a community just for the sheer enjoyment of a thing, right? Yeah. Like if I can get paid to do the work, that's even better. Yeah. Um, cause I'll do a free thing. Like Whereas crazy. like I do two events and then I like sleep for two weeks. I'm like, I don't know, but nobody <laughs> called me. Nobody talked to me. I don't want to do I think, anything. I think of you guys as really giving though. Like you guys yeah. do a lot of freebies. I feel like so one of those things about you guys, um, that people don't know is that you're involved, not just in the literary community, but you do like coaching. You're like a soccer coach. Yeah. Uh, What's that like? <laughs> you know, like, like you, yeah. There's, and I, I used to be better about compartmentalizing, yeah, like how I did stuff. But in the last few years, especially after uh, the last presidential election, things leading up to the last presidential election, the urgency of topics that crossed what I was working on, yeah started infusing itself and what I was learning from being involved in community, I had to tell my students cause it would affect their everyday whatever. Right. So I'd have to go back and talk about that there. And then the breakdown of these things that are occurring and, and, you know, being there in a moment to deal with a kid who might have something occurring with their family turned into a moment of writing. So like it all starts bleeding into one another in ways that I never originally assumed would be that way and so it's i'm glad that i have a really good i have a i the only like thing i 
toot my horn about is that I have a really good disposition about stuff. Yeah. Because you're a very hopeful guy. Like I, 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 I have to be, cause if not, I'd be like depressed and crying 24 seven. I will find a way to celebrate whatever. And yeah. if that's like having crazy music at a book launch or except for himself, but let's celebrate you now <laughs> by listening to one of your let's poems. Let's get down. That, let's talk right, about the election. Poem, right? okay. yeah, like, yeah. Um, so we'll this poem that. that I'm going to open with is, um, the third part of, uh, the first section in the book. Um, three, December 12th. My bones lay in a river, a howl at all the blood moons, the lights, the candles, in front of altars not far away. I am in the womb of Donantzin, mother of earth, her son, her little adobe son who hides ideas in stones. Washes them in paints, paints in lyrics, in newsprint, draws catrinas in pasteles, the colors of laser, and las oscuridad, the color of poverty, charcoal and rib cages showing hueso blanco waiting to be put to rest. Soy llanto, soy virgen. Un desgraciado santo, a mountain chained to the wind, a paper treaty betrayed, moaned, abandoned. Soy José Guadalupe Posada, hungry. Soy Guadalupe Victoria, victorious. Soy José Guadalupe Olivares, a.k.a. a poetry god. I am la unión del pueblo Intero, punto. I am a canine, a Puerto Rican songstress, a Mexican banda barbaro, a kick push. I live in black volcanic rock, burning, streaming against river, against the wolves in Lo Hondo del Rio, in the bottom of water, where you can dream in colored light. Dream, 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 dream of me. Yeah. Good God, man. It's a great poem. Thank you. Like, what I love about this poem is that, like, it's not just the image that is sort of bringing in sort of these textural associations, but it's like, there are these echoes of, I, 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 it reminds me so much of, there's this writer named Sylvia Legree, um, who, who, who does a lot of work on this thing, in which, like, the image is doing so much heavy lifting. This you know, the charcoal and rib cages showing, you know, it's obviously an allusion to one thing, but I instantly think of like the texture of South Texas, like Cabrito on the spit doing the thing, you know, mm. uh, uh, the black volcanic ash, you know, the sort of, um, there is this texture of this, and I hate to get sort of like, um, to call it the borderlands because it's been so, that's such a fraught word now. Mm. Um, but there is a texture of this sort of, I'll call it Tejicanidad or like this uh, Texicanness that you you get into that I feel like is really rich on an image level. It's really rich, but it's also sort of it has these echoes in a lot of different um, registers of of of, of uh, I feel like I'm being really eloquent right now of of smell, of memory, mm. of food, of song. You, you invoke a lot of these things, um, but then also this sort of like indigeneity you know, with the sort of volcanic rock and and uh, I don't know. Tell me about writing this poem. But I, so the funny part was it was, it started off as the three sections of the poem all started off as one longer version. Uh, my second year at Canto Mundo, uh, I got to workshop with, uh, Sandra Maria Esteves, uh, yeah. um, the godmother, the godmother of, uh, the madrina of, uh, New York and poetry. 
And she had us do a simple workshop on a name poem. Um, and so she had us write in terms of the origin of a name. How did you get your name? Uh, who else who else holds your name and then what spaces or places are associated with that name. And so I was like, Guadalupe is so, if you're super Mexicano, you don't flinch that there are guys and girls named Guadalupe. But the minute you leave the region and you're in other spaces, I've constantly have always heard that that's a girl's name. And so it's who are the other men and the other women who hold this name what were their spaces like? Um, the relationship between the fact that it's a mountain range and a treaty and it, a vestige of uh, uh, the Virgin Mary. Um, all those interconnected things that I heard throughout my life. And then the reality that I, my family, at least, there's like seven of us named. Lupe. It's like a family name? Uh, yeah, like you say Lupe, and like yeah. seven of us turn around and we're like, huh? And it's guy, girl, deceased, alive, men, women, tío, tía, like all that. It's, it's laid out there, and it's yeah. it's a traditional name, and nobody in my family flinches yeah. that I'm Lupe. They're like, where's Lupito? You, you feel like, uh, like, what's your middle name? <laughs> I don't have He's, one. Really? <laughs> I don't have one. He, he like, and I are similar in that we don't have middle names. You don't have middle, middle no. name. My dad didn't oh. believe in it. Can I give you guys one right now? <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> you be Tony? <laughs> Tony. 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 And then... Um, Wednesday. <laughs> okay. Call it Dranka. Dranka, that's a cool one, man. That's done. That's a good done. one. Done. Well, Dranka, it's a Yugoslavian name. <laughs> you got it. What I find interesting about that poem, the name poem, thank you, Daniel, um, is that you you open with the the section is titled Lupillo, but you hate being called Lupillo. Like, I do. I try calling I, you that. You're oh my god! Call me like, that. Call so, me that. so what was why 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 open the book with something that you hate? <laughs> because I even though I, like I might not be entirely like appreciative of that it was it said with cariño like mm -hmm. my deals and my tias they'll say my mom my dad they'll still say and it might irk the shit i'm 42 <laughs> the hell you do economy to people but i have a tia you know yeah. they're like lupia ven traeme eso and i'm like yeah tia and but like i can't, I can't yeah. like, like it's yeah. an determined endearment so i can't i can't you get so mad when i call you that because you like, you're, you're like that, no that shit that's not my name like I, I get, oh, man. I get, I get the like the the fam, the familial understanding of it for having grown up in that way, and so yeah, the the wanting to be you know other like name me the 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 other parts of that name like I've got family enough to do that yeah, and if I'm gonna write what this thing is about, I have to be able to accept all the vestiges and ways that that name is, is put forth. Yeah. Um, and so how it exists. And yeah. for my family, Lupio is, is, you know, yeah. that and the other one I hate to death is Lupito. And I'm like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> Lupito just sounds like, uh, it doesn't sound so, like any no. term of endearment. No, it's, just, it's, okay. it's like very specific Lupito. No, I'm like, I will just, call me, just call me Lupito. It's very diminutive, yeah. right? Yeah, and so it's fair. like, I just, I know the one that's, that's the familial one and then how people play with names all the time, right? Like that's, that's well, how. and then like your Galveston peeps call you Loopy. Yeah, everybody at home. <laughs> well, that was, so that was weird. Like when I first moved to Houston, Loopy. like I go to St. Thomas, just yeah. down the street, uh, for orientation, and literally they're like, "Oh, good morning, Lupe," and I was like, 
why is <laughs> it? And I called my mom. They, called, went, they went full almost on that. Yeah, like, I was like, hey. what? So like, I called like I called home to check in with my mom, like in the middle of orientation. She's like, so how's it going? I was like, everybody's saying my name with an A at the end of it. And she's like, why are they doing that? I was like, oh no. Like, are they trying to say it like it's in Spanish? I get, oh, maybe I appreciate that's the it. effort. Do you, like, do you ever do that where someone who obviously doesn't speak Spanish, you're like. Oh. Yeah, I appreciate I, that. When I first got to Houston, I was like, oh, you're trying. That's nice. People be like, hey, Daniel. And I'm like, hey. Yeah. Uh, all right. <laughs> all right. But like, and I go home and I'll still get loopy. And yeah. I'm like, I really yeah. don't even like that either. So, but yeah. you just, you grow accustomed to how other people view you that, that, that the reason, the other reason for writing this poem was I've never been able to say, these are all the things I think yeah. of when I think of my name. Bitches, here's what that is. <laughs> and you take it or leave it, and here's what I think of. Yeah. Um, and then I also have to, 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 you know, be real specific in terms of the history of what that, what carries with it. Uh, my, my mom uh, had me at 42. Uh, I'm the same age right now that my uh, mother was with a newborn baby wow. and we have you guys have a, a newborn. year we have a year old I, can we stop here i want to talk about like fatherhood and stuff like it's that like, like it's like it's yeah it's it it's trippy in the sense that like i'm i'm this and i, yeah. I don't feel like i'm an old guy and i talk to my mom constantly like what were you doing yeah at this like how did you not feel exhausted yeah all the time and she she'll say that it was like at that right before I was born, like my dad would tell me that she suffered from heavy migraines, uh, but that something in between the time yeah. that she got pregnant to the time that she had me, that whatever migraines she had, like split, yeah, split and was gone. And I researched it and looked at it, and yeah, like people yeah, who did like the chemical hormones, are yeah, hormones are <laughs> and she never had them again. And so my mom says that me being like the first three years were like she was on cloud nine because yeah. it was just like. There was so much positivity in that. And like she, my parents and Jasmine are like, this child has my attitude. Yeah. And I was like, if I was as ridiculous as my kid is now, oh my God, I'd be laughing 24 yeah. 7. Yeah. Because she keeps me cracking up. Like yeah. she has this smile on her face and I'm just like, she looks like you. That, and that's yeah. the, like, and so like all these things, like as I'm thinking of in terms of like what fatherhood is, like it's, it's a blessing that. Yeah, it's kind of turned out the way it did, which is cool. Yeah, because like if I'm gonna follow in the footsteps of what my parents were doing, yeah, being an older parent, I'm I can be patient about some things and like yeah. figure things out, and I've got a good set of role models that kind of help me through what that passage looks like. Yeah, what I love about your writing is that, especially in this collection, is like you're you're thinking through masculinity a lot, but mm. you're also thinking about like these things, fatherhood, but then also what it means to be a child. Yeah, and I feel like. And maybe this is like because we're kindred spirits. I think of us as like big kids. Yeah, like oh, yeah. like oh, you're totally yeah. like a yes. big kid. Yes. Um, yeah. And and but it's it's really some of, some of your best work is like written from the point of view of like I think when you're you're like remembering childhood or like maybe you're inhabiting that space. Uh, and some of it's really interesting. Some of it's really dark. Was it tough to sort of access those things? Because a lot of them in the, you're 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 thinking about masculinity in the same breath as you're also thinking about childhood and also like how does that relate to yeah. why the title because i know folks are probably wondering like, why, why, why the title, why the title yeah. and man so putting all that together so the i've never i've never had the opportunity to up until the the 
I grew up in not the best of circumstance, shall we say. And it was a very volatile uh, growing up, right? And so being able to step away from all those experiences yeah. and getting to this point uh, in life and being able to do all the things I was able to do yeah. gave me the the breath I needed to take before I could yeah. actually go back and like figure out all the memory and then how to pin that. Right yeah. in a way that I was close to it, but not shook and messed up by it. Yeah. And then the, I kept thinking in terms of like the title comes from just the, the, so family in, in South Texas and then family in Jalisco. Yeah. Which, That's where your family comes from, Jalisco. Yeah, yeah. My, my dad's in, side of the family is from Jalisco. We're so, in Jalisco. Uh, right outside of Guadalajara, 45 minutes, is uh, Totonilco El Alto, which is a small town. Yeah. And then there's a rancho like 20 minutes away. But yeah. by horseback, it's like an hour. <laughs> by horseback. By truck, it's 20 minutes. And then it's a bumpy 20 minutes to get very there. Very bumpy yeah. 20 minutes. I've been to uh, Colotitlan, which is like... Oh, that. That's like up the street, yo. It's, it's like, like, yeah. All so, of them are kind of those ejidos. Yeah, yeah. All the heels, right? And like every time that you think of Mexico... Or anytime you think of the border or borderland, you think of like what we stereotypically see as Mexico, but but in a space down south yeah. and west. So like southwest Mexico, Jalisco does not look like what one would envision a Mexico a, a Mexico to look like. Yeah. And so growing up in cerros like yeah. with blue agave everywhere like dude yeah and like you step out of my grandparents house and there's a cerro like not that's a hill for those of you oh, or yeah. mountain <laughs> who don't know what's it this yeah. massive it looks hill. like dr seuss stuff yeah right like, like when yeah. you see it's, an entire it's mountain a, of them. it's a yeah. huge and it's like right in front of our doorway mm, and if you beautiful. walk to the backyard it's another friggin' cerro yeah. And it's huge, and it's valley all the way. And it through. does look blue. They call and it the blue ever yeah. it's, like, it's like it's Dr. Like Seuss. Yeah, straight. It's like, whoa. And, and so, like, I think in terms of, since my family's always been, a, like, working within uh, agave and maguey to create tequila, it's always been a thing that we've had at the house. And yeah. You, as a kid, you learn to pour grandfather a drink, and it's not a shot. You mix it with something, yeah. and you treat it because... With care, because it took seven years to produce that thing for it to reach the maturity that it needs to. So you understand all the tools that it takes to make. Uh, I have, right now to this day, I still have family that work at the tequilería down the street and bring home bottles of tequila like it's nothing because wow. they get it for Christmas. Is it like brand name stuff? Like, patron. Yeah, Patron. <laughs> it's Patron. <laughs> it's Patron. It's like, yeah, right. Every time we go to Mexico, they yeah, like, come, like, it's we patron, like come home with like five bottles whoa, of Patron like, or whatever. Patron, uh, Herradura, Don Julio, like all yeah. that's the same region stuff. If right? you ever wow. look at one of those bottles, you'll notice that like some, like there's a label with a signature on it. Yeah. His cousins are the ones that will like. Those are people? The, yeah, those are yeah. the people. Wow. The little label little thing on the back. Have you ever had uh, Raisia? Do you know what that is? Yes. Raisia is like just straight up white lightning. Just, it is. Oh. It's like, oh. Yeah, you mix it with squirt. And right, like, that, right? And yeah. so it's like. This the first time I saw his dad mix tequila with squirt, I was like, what is happening? It's a paloma, man. Yeah, I know. It's a thing. It's a thing. I'm not hitting on it. I'm just saying. I was like, what is that? So then the. Don't talk about shit. I've never seen him before. The understanding of like how long it takes to make tequila and the the speed at which one drinks it back home it's a sipping yeah. thing yeah. right you see, you don't take shots of it it's like scotch it's like scotch right yeah. and so 
Um, but then understanding too the the biology of the body, like the body remakes itself in seven years. All the cells ah. of the body are remade. Like all old yeah. cells brush off and flake and whatever. Uh, but but all those cells that make up you, yeah, redo themselves every seven years. And so like I thought, what are the ways that we remake that we boil ourselves down that we take ourselves apart uh, to remake ourselves because a thing has occurred yeah because we are transforming and constantly moving and changing how have we progressed uh, or are we regressing like what are those steps that we're taking to move forward uh, and how are we refined as we get older right yeah and so in thinking in terms of how these two images and ideas form themselves together this is how uh, one can be like a bottle of tequila. Yeah. And, and, and so I feel like, I guess you've, what, you've done six transformations in your life because you're 42. So six times seven. Yeah. yeah, yeah not yeah. very good at math. Um, but <laughs> with that, right. So like the, your, this is your, your first full length collection. Uh, you are 42. I know you and I have talked a lot about this um, and just what it means to kind of, um, emerge, right? Sort of not in your twenties or like to, to be at this point in your life, right. And having a first book and like, what does that mean to you? What does it feel like? What are your thoughts in relation to sort of, everyone assumes emerging means young, but that's not the case, right? Sort of this idea of being a late bloomer, right? You're like a late blooming Maguey or something. Right. Um, right. So, um, so, yeah. I think, man, so like, I'll be real upfront. Like, I think the writing world, especially in the U S is hella ageist. Hmm. Like, yeah, you gotta be, if you're going to be an up and coming writer, you gotta be straight out of an MFA. You hunting for that first book. You're mm. it's capitalism. Man. It's, yeah. it's the capitalism it's totally of it. Capitalism. But like, even so like somebody posted the other day, um, did everybody turn in their Ruth Lily <laughs> applications? <laughs> fellowships? And I what, literally cut off on that. What is like 35? Four. Is it's it 34? Is it 34? Yeah. I think it's and, I, and a part of me was like, and I, 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 get I, my I think it's 30. <laughs> I think it's 30. I think it's 30. Because I know I, I looked into it and I was like, yeah. I don't even qualify. I'm already 34. Like, so, uh, and, I, and I literally, like the first instinct I had in my head was like, I don't know, is that shit still for kids? <laughs> and I don't want to be that guy. But yeah. a part of me is like, well, I'm I'm vital. Like, and I don't, I don't really tout my own shit. Yeah. But when I'm writing what I'm writing, I could give a fuck if somebody else is not exactly getting all of it. And if it's not the most academic writing i'm not writing for all that like i want to be able to connect to hopefully the individuals that wouldn't be caught dead reading a poetry book yeah Mm -hmm. and and if that's the mark that that i leave like i've I've said it before like if i'm the gateway drug to the rest of the poetry world fuck right yeah yeah be you got to go through me to get through whatever do that it's okay like i'm okay with before i when i was a little younger i was always when am I ever going to be able to do this thing? Um, and I think now at 42, it's even though that's not old at all, I don't even feel old at all. Um, my you have feet, more energy though, than I do it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I feel like, like I, I, I've grown into the space that I've helped mold for myself. Like the community that I've helped to build is because this is what make, what feels comfortable in yeah. the writing. Right. And, yeah. and so how that makes itself into a book is yeah. those are I it's okay that it came out at this point because that's when all these things were ready. Like yeah. I went through a phase of, of purely doing open mics. Yeah. Uh, and 
there are writers who I've gone to MFA program with that have never read a poem or a, a literary thing out loud in public and they freak out. And I'm like, I was cutting my teeth on that yeah. at 19 and 20 in bars yeah. with tons of smoke and people booing <laughs> yeah. you. And, and I'm okay like that phase. And then moving into the deciding thing of, do I do a daytime job forever or do I just stick to writing? And then the decision of, I'm going to stick to a daytime job because I got to eat. I think that's the best way. That's totally the best <laughs> yeah. way to do that. No, really. Yeah. It's like people have this Byronic idea of like the suffering, dying artist. Right. And I'm like, oh, don't do that. No. And it has to be one or church. the other. Like you have to, you can either have a job or you can write, but you can't do both. And like, yet yeah. there are so many writers that like have their day job, write at night. Right. Or like the opposite, wake up really early and then and go to work or yeah. like write during the day and then go to their night job. Like, exactly. And that's, and that's because it's true. You have to eat. Like, what is this idea that we, we got to be sustainable, man. Sustainable, you gotta, especially right. for writers of color, I feel like you can burn out really quick you mm-hmm. get pulled in a lot of different directions mm-hmm. and it's like i mean talking to the end of like sort of ageism too it's like i think i think it's a particularly unfair game to writers of color especially when when they yes. we only have so many resources so much energy right. um then to be like on top of that um all right 40 whatever you're out right. but this is this isn't even i i want to circle back to this thing because part of when you put out a book and i think this book this book I know already is going to speak to me in a different way than it speaks to my students, mm-hmm. than it might speak to my dad. Mm-hmm. This is sort of the magic of this book. Um, part of that is what we talked about earlier, like Tejikanidad, and sort of like the texture of, of Tejikanidad. But also to, like, what I love about this book is that, you know, it's you articulate things in here, especially, and not to circle back to masculinity stuff, but it's interesting we, especially in the vein of sort of talking about tequila and talking about the relationship with fathers and, and, and the abuelito and all that kind of stuff, that there is, um, like machismo, we think of it as sort of like we had this sort of revolution um, in which we're sort of dismantling that. But mm-hmm. that was like, we were steeped in that. Yeah. You and me, yeah. and we're not the same age, yeah, yeah, yeah. but we were like, Oh, it's still we there. come from the same many, fabric, yeah. <laughs> and it's a very ways, sort of yeah. like, especially um, Jalisco into like it's weird because Jalisco is not quite Norteño, but I think of it with like the mariachi culture yeah, yeah, yeah. and the whole, uh, you know, it is the heart of Mexico, right? Well, in and, many ways. And and just like a side note, a little anecdote on that, we were actually over at his parents' house recently, um, and a family friend from like way back in the day was there, and all his like and cousins were like in the kitchen and cooking and cleaning and I had gone upstairs to... Oh, my grandmother to, had visited. Yeah, his grandmother was visiting from, from Jalisco and I had gone upstairs to like work on something and we were there with the baby and Lupa had stepped I guess to the back room downstairs to like change the baby's diaper uh-huh. and this man like about through a shit fit and was like scolding his father for letting Lupe yeah, change man. the diaper. He's like, why is your son back there changing that baby's diaper? That's a woman's job. He shouldn't be doing that. Why is he doing that? And then like, I'm a modern man, uh, dad. Like, Leave like, me alone, dad. It was, it was the, the family friend. Yeah. And so, and, but then like all his like aunts and like cousins were just like really like looking at the man, like, you know, what are you talking about? And then like his mom, I like, basically defended him and was just saying, you know, like she was, you know, telling Lupe's dad, like, well, you changed Lupe's diaper, didn't you? And he's like, yeah, I, I changed his diaper. And then like the family friend yeah. or whatever was just like, well, that's where he gets it from. That's where he, you taught him that nonsense. And I was just yeah. like, I came downstairs in the middle of this man's like tirade. And I was like, excuse you. Yeah. And so <laughs> the funny part was, so then like the, the, the family friend, uh, uh, one of my dad's drinking buddies from, from uh-huh. back in the rancho, um, who, you know, migrated to Galveston. So with the, his always name is always like Gustavo or something. So the guy's like Rudy, Rudy. Oh yeah, pain in the ass. But so the funny part was that, like, I, I, I guess I, I don't know. I very much bucked 
what that understanding. And my dad was real hardcore machista when I was a kid. And I don't know how in the hell my mom put up with, because she, like, she was a breadwinner in the house. And my dad would turn over his cash paycheck, like all the money would go to her. We did not live, like my dad wanted to be super machista, but my dad lived a very, we lived a very modern, yeah. like we had a kid, yeah. like they had a kid, she made the money in the house. She had yeah. a, a, a license certificate to be a nurse. Yeah. He only had a second grade education. I taught him to to read and write in Spanish for his citizenship test. Like all the things that that were not typical, my dad was kind of willing to do. There were some things he drew yeah. the line on, but yeah. we didn't live the standard stuff. And so very much like seeing how hard my parents worked when my dad was being unfair with my mom, I would jump up and be like, yeah. that's not, that shit ain't right. And if I get older, when I'm older, I want to be able to do these things. Yeah. And, no, yeah. and so, although there's still... You turn that corner in your head. And I you, turn that yeah. corner in my head, but there's some still the things that I'm like... We, I'm putting nopales under my daughter's window, and yeah. I'm putting bars on the window, and I'm <laughs> taking the door up. off the thing, <laughs> and I don't, she ain't going what out until she's ever. 20. And But, you know, I think about, like, machismo, where does machismo come from? Because, like, it, it was something that for, like, be, and we can become, you know, our parents, were, my dad's from Texas, you know, was Mexican-American, but born in Texas. But I think of, like, so much of machismo, and I love my dad. Love you, dad. Um, <laughs> but it's one of those things that so much of it is built on mythology. I think I've, like, sort of... Uh, distilled into this like one equation where it's like seventy percent Vicente Fernandez, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like, yes. and, like one of those concerts, thirty thirty percent like Four Rudy, like right, those characters, right, right, right. <laughs> Who's like, oh, you gonna do that? You oh, it's like the same kid on the playground. It's like you, oh, you gonna take that? You gonna take that? That, yeah, yeah, that. Just exit yeah. on. It's thirty percent. That it's this weird like for me. I see machismo as like a rooster getting <laughs> ro- like putting out its feathers to mm. to to get a girl, right? Yeah. To what level? And then there's this, not fragility. It's this very sensitivity. Like if you ever paid attention to any damn corrido or any damn mariachi song or any love song as sung by a guy, the amount of agony and heartbreak behind Mm. the lyric. Yeah. Like I think of a song like Dos Monedas, right? Like Mm -hmm. the story of a little kid uh, who... The father is telling the story of a kid who has died, mm-hmm. who the father was an alcoholic and drinking and hit the kid and would send the kid out to go get money yeah. so he could drink more. And then he sends the kid out to go get money. Mm-hmm. He drinks away whatever, passes out, wakes up, goes yeah. to check the front door. Kid's dead with two coins in his hand. Yeah, He loses his wife. He loses the rest of his family. And he... The very the only adver- the only advice that he gives is fathers treat your sons well and yeah. like how fragile is that moment of 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 barbarian act for that moment yeah do you then that song from the seventies on everybody and their mother knows. Dos monedas. Yeah. It's a deal. Mariachi's the only place you can cry. Right. For a lot of people, that's (laughs) the only place you can cry. And that's like, it's an understanding of like how much of this is, you know, where the spaces in which men allow themselves to be sensitive. To feel. To feel. (laughs) Something other than like anger or... How silly (laughs) is, is that a silly concept? Is, is the way that a particular society has has shaped the way that these spaces exist yeah. for men in certain regions of the world. Like, and, and how does this then shape the relationships that they create for themselves in other spaces? And so yeah. I think part of that is, is 
some of the things I was trying to put together and phrase in a right way within within the the context of the book. I mean, this is what I really love about this collection is that like we talked about sort of in interpersonally um, with our own parents, or I mean, for what it's worth, like my dad was good. <laughs> I feel like I'm like really harping on my dad, but you know, definitely role models were right. bad. Mm-hmm. But to this end, and and we've talked about some of those poems in this book. But like our literary role models, even yeah, and not to put anyone on blast on this podcast, but we had some trash men yes. in the Chicano <laughs> yes. movement. Yes. some trash men uh, who we were told by our literary um, uh, what would you call them mentors, mentors maybe, yeah. to like look up to. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to name any names, but what I love about this collection is um, this is the first contemporary book that really breaks it down in a way that is both um, sort of intellectual, but then also like incredibly like, and like it's not personal is not the right word, but it's, it's radically vulnerable mm-hmm. in a way mm-hmm. that I feel like it, 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 it really opens up uh, the, the poem. The one I want to talk about actually, it's this, there's this one on, and it's not necessarily like a vulnerable poem, but it's this Lagrimas de mi barrio, which is cool. Um, and actually, do you mind if I read just a few lines from it? Yeah, it's, sure. it's really cool. Um, or could you read? You're here, man. Yeah, Why am I, go ahead and do that second this? poem, and then we'll talk poem? a little bit, yeah. and, okay. then, uh, and then we'll uh, go to our lightning round. Oh, sweet. Okay, wait a minute. Let me see. Is this on page? I'm going to borrow that. Do that one, yeah. Okay. It's on the horizontal one. I think he knows. Oh, I yeah. <laughs> I play around orange dirt outside the house, a small open lot amount. The grain of it gets under my nails, grits itself along my back. I trek it, get English lessons daily from the mouth of a girl, blonde, green, little eyes. Teach my play Sky, daddy, bar, angry, secret, hide, seek. We do this for weeks. It is the first time I have ever seen a white girl. First time I ever feel English in my ears. I cannot say her name, her father's name. Him at the bar next door, a blonde mustache. The girl and I play hide, seek for a bit that day until I lose her. I run up and down the callejon, excuse me, alley, say alley. Between the bar, my yellow house, she teaches me yellow, teaches me house, teaches me shh. Her father comes outside to find her. He comes, he screams at me, the alley, I say, and he leaves. I know she is not there. I look The mound, climb and seek, catch the edge of her shoe in a bush, laugh. You there. She comes out laughing. Her father behind grabs her, a talon around snake's skinny arms pulls her away. I hear him say something I do not understand, the something I go. Inside, speak to my mother, her washing the dishes, the sing, the sink, Singing a tune, drops of Cornelio Reina. I ask, Ama, que quiere decir wet back? She stops washing. She looks up in the air, a crack in the ceiling. She laughs, takes off her yellow gloves. She kneels down on the ground. 
A tear fills one eye. It does not fall. Cleans the dirt from my hands. Says, mijito de mi vida. It is what they call smart boys who leave this desgraciado barrio. Oh, man. Um, I mean, this is what I love about that poem is that you enter it through, like the portal is masculinity, but it brings in all these other sociological, uh, mm. geopolitical things. Things, yeah. Funny part was like, I didn't, I barely knew any English. And so like, he was like, blah, 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 blah. And I remember distinctly the, so I lived off of 14th, uh, 14th street in Galveston, uh, there, what is now known as mosquito cafe, uh, mm. used to be a bar called streeters tavern. And there are three still standing to this day are three identical houses that are all shotgun houses on high stilts. Yeah. Um, I think one house is pink, one house is green and one house is yellow. I don't know the order back in the day when I was a kid, they were all yellow identical. Yeah. Um, so I would go and play in the, the open lot between the tavern and my my parents' house. Um, and Streeters had a little girl and we played and uh, we wrote in like on, with rock on the street and yeah. I was picking up English that way. And I remember this guy jumping out looking for his kid and then yelling at me. And I remember the slow word wet back just like yeah. coming out of his mouth. And I was like, I wonder what that means. I'm going to go ask mom. And I run upstairs and I'm like, what is that? <sighs> and just Jesus, the look on her yeah. face. It was a moment of, oh, shit, at some point I'm going to have to explain this. But then another moment of, no, nah, this is what it is. And I was like, oh, so I'm going to get, we're going to leave this side of town at some point. Okay, great. Mm -hmm. I think I remember like going to the living room and playing with Play-Doh. Like it didn't. Yeah. But like as I got older, the, the understanding of my parents, my mother had to have told my dad, look. Este viejo from across the bar that you love to go to and have a drink yeah. said some racist shit to our kid. What are we going to do? And we lived there for a, a while longer, right? And so what were the decisions that my family had to make yeah. with in relation to that? What did I carry, not carry with that? Which when it finally dawns on me that that's part of it, yeah. how does that affect and change the conversation within how I understood what my parents were doing with yeah. us as a family. You, like all yeah. those things became the piece of it. And, and it's so, part of Tejicanidad. That's yeah, part of the Tejicanidad it, it, experience, that how man. Do you, how do you we navigate of, those spaces? Yeah, and we think of these sort of these contemporary conversations around migration, or, you know, uh, and, and sort of uh, uh, in Taka and in these rounds of ice as, as something like, new because they're in the news cycle but like for those of us like we grew up here Yo, that's it's, been it's forever it's man deal. it is like you what is it the 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 it, it in some ways it goes back to sort of you know ulysses or like stranger in your own land right you know that um which is very that and you have this in here and it's like but it, the ways in which you enter it are really interesting to me and i feel like are really novel and i feel like they're not there's no writer i know of who does it quite in this way um and we are just, talking with Lupe Mendez. Yeah. <laughs> 
on Inkwell uh, with my co-host here, Daniel Peña. Um, thank you for your poems. We uh, are going to take a short break uh, and we'll be uh, back for our lightning round questions and some more dialogue and conversation. Um, but that was Lupe reading from Why I Am Like Tequila, which is uh, available for pre-order now through Willow Books and drops this weekend, May 5th. Uh, and so we'll be back with some more questions. Sweet. We're back. <laughs> We're that's, back. That's Danielle trying to, uh, you know, get our energy. I'm, I'm sort and... <laughs> of honing my Mark Marin here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so we're here uh, again, Lupe Mendez, uh, wine like tequila, who is normally the co-host for uh, Inkwell. Today is in the hot seat. Um, hot seat. And so, uh, so I, I think I think we're gonna run to our lightning round question. If y'all are y'all are good with that, um, since y'all have been dominating the conversation, yes. I'll shut I'm up gonna now. go ahead. No, you can Take answer, but I'm gonna do all the lightning round questions because okay. I feel like people want to hear you know, what I know about you. Um, <laughs> wow. Josh is over here like, hmm. Interesting. Uh, I'll start slow. I'll start slow. But there might be some, uh, uh, you might end up throwing some shade here in a little bit. But no, no, oh, it'll be, it'll we be go. good. Well, I mean, because you always ask like the tough questions or like the fun, silly questions. So now it's your turn. Oh. And so again, so the rules of the lightning round question, lightning round, question round, whatever, um, is that you get 30 seconds to answer each question. I've got like 15 of them because I know you so well. Um, so we're just going to like. No, we're going to do all of them. We're going to do it. And if you have any, any that you think of, please just throw them in there. Um, all right. So here we go. All right. Okay, so a lot of people don't know some things about you, but I think they're going to learn them about you now. Because aside from being a poet, you're a community organizer, obviously a performer. We met in a play. Um, you're a father, uh, Mexican-American, which you didn't talk about that Mexican-American identity question versus Chicanidad, but yeah. we, we can we can do that in a little bit. Okay. We'll get deep in a minute. Um, but there's a lot of things that you do, and so some of these uh, questions are going to bring up some of those things about you. So favorite open mic spot past or present and why oh shit I knew. um we were big open micers back in the day i i miss i miss taft street yeah. it was uh it was uh yeah, taft street used to be a little tiny not tiny spot it was a church during the day it had an art gallery inside and a coffee shop beautiful space. and on tuesday nights uh, you could go to Taft Street and they would like literally th take out all the chairs, mm -hmm. reset the chairs, and then you could host, they would host a reading uh, there on the altar space with like the altar stuff in the background. It's a beautiful, beautiful space. Beautiful space, very yeah, intimate. Beautiful. Everybody who was cutting their teeth doing open mic stuff was always at Taft. It was beautiful. I, I miss it. Mocha Life. To be oh, yeah, I miss Mocha Jerome. Life too. Jerome. Yeah. Um, your most memorable Watt tour moment or year. So Watt is a word around town poetry tour, which Lupe helped coordinate and organize for many years, for almost a decade, um, over about a decade. Yeah. Um, and we used to just go to the different open mic spots over, throughout a week uh, in July um, and just celebrate poetry and try to bring all the poetry communities together. Um, and so we he finished off Watt and uh, started Tintero Projects. But of those 10 years, what was your most memorable moment? Uh -huh. Dopest moment, memorable moment was uh, when Anise Parker was mayor. Mm. I had, and this was, I was still trying to get my feet good with Twitter. Uh, I had like hit her up on, cause she's a fan of poetry. Yeah. She started the poet laureate program here in the city. Um, and so I had hit her up and I was like, can we see you at one of our tour stops for the word around town poetry tour at Mayor Anise Parker? And I was like, eh. yo, that night. And I had not even, I, we were trying to like organize and, 
put chairs out and make sure everything was right and make sure the mic was up and everything. And here comes this dude in glasses, like, you know, sunglasses and that, like, that <laughs> wire earpiece. thing they put in their yeah. ear, the earpiece got the secret and a suit. In, yeah. And a Secret Service dude walked in and another one was at the door watching the door and the other guy came in and I was like, oh, shit, about yeah. to, what are we about to? He was like, um, is this the venue for the poetry event this evening? And I was like, yes. Who's asking? Uh, the mayor will be in attendance. Wow. She needs to be able to have a space where she can sit wow. because she might need to leave very quickly. And I was like, oh, oh, and I was like, that <laughs> she also wants to read a poem. Yeah. That, that. And I was like, oh my God. She has <laughs> Did to she read, read it? Po- no, she didn't read it. Oh, yeah. She thoroughly enjoyed the show, I found out later. And uh, we had had that particular venue was the Pump Street, uh, Willow Street. Willow Street, yeah. At, at UHD. UHD. So UHD. Uh, shout out to Dr. Davidson because she gave us the spot for that evening. Um, I don't know what's the greatest. She's yeah. the greatest. Yeah. She's the greatest. So like that was that was one of the best moments I think. Awesome. Um, ideal place to read your work, city or country. What would be like your top destination choice? Yo, if I could, in La Plaza de los Mariachis in Guadalajara. Oh, that's easy. I'll, we'll talk afterwards. <laughs> that really is easy. That's I. Yo, I can make that happen. <laughs> Can make that happen. That's oh my god, I love that or that or Hospicio Scabana, like inside the museum space mm. in one of the smaller little gardens right past La Plaza de, de los Mariachis. Like that would be oh my god. Oh my god, that would yes. Man. That too. Oh two in the morning. Oh <laughs> Daddy Toe. You got the one impersonators coming out. Oh my god, I'm gonna cry. Yeah. All right. So if you were not writing poetry, what other genre would you be writing? Flash fiction. It's I, basically poetry. <laughs> it's, it's funny because it's true. <laughs> it's just, um, like made up poetry, not. Uh, okay, wait. I would probably. No, you know what? To hell with it. I would probably do nonfiction, like teaching manual. Oh. Like, this is how you teach this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and so and I kind of got my feet wet with it. Uh, writing for uh, Poetry Foundation uh, allowed me to took one of my articles that I put together. Which is a great one. Uh, an essay on how to include uh, Latinx poetry in curriculum. Yeah, it's classic. Uh, so and good. I like I, I took a while to put it together, but I had a really good time like writing that. And it got a lot of buzz too. It, yeah, I'm yeah. hoping it did. Well, thank yeah, you. I remember so, seeing that everywhere on Twitter. Yeah. That's good stuff. That's yeah. Good. yeah. Um, so I thought you were going to say graphic novels because you are a comic book nerd. Well, that too. And I love so, comics. Oh my yeah. God. I'm a comic. Yeah. I'm a so as a comic book freak. nerd, who's your favorite character and why? Hate you. I know. Uh, okay. I would have to say. Dr. Davidson. Dr. Davidson. Um, no. <laughs> um, I would have to say if, okay. So being a DC head and if anybody's out there talking, I know a few people are going to be like, oh, not Marvel. No. Um, I would say. If it were DC, it would be the Blue Beetle because this is uh, obscure person. He's not obscure. I've never heard of him. <laughs> just, like, just saying, it's like a you know third to your character, no. and here's why: third because tier. he is a Latino character, uh, and Latino comic book characters so don't get much play. Prejudice. Mm. It's, it's I'm, <laughs> I'm prejudiced. <laughs> I'm yes, I'm particular uh, because this is, is he Mexican. He's Mexican American oh. that lives in El Paso and. Just uh, a really cool character. A couple of writers. What does he have, do? He has a bug suit. <laughs> so, yeah. so you want to wear a bug suit? I didn't say I wanted to wear a bug suit. <laughs> okay. I oh, would that's your favorite that. character. That's okay. my favorite. What's his if, powers? Um, 
you ever see like cyborg whenever you watch those the movies and iron you man make me watch things that i'm really not paying attention <laughs> so then stop asking me questions and move on to the next i question. know x-men i know storm and i know rogue if i was okay so favorite character and on marvel would probably be colossus again who Kin? The big metal guy. He's the other Latino character, man. You don't know this. You don't know Come on, man. He's the one in the third the movie. That, like, what third movie? The ones that you don't. Apparently, since you love watching X Men, but you don't Storm pay attention. Storm and Rogue. That's, that's what it? I know. Oh, and I know what's her face. That's on Netflix. Wait, you just said what's her face. I mean, is that like Mortal Kombat? No, I'm thinking. I'm thinking of. There's some. There's a Mortal Kombat. No. Street Fighter. That's what you're thinking. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. So anyway, I like the detective chick too. That's on Netflix with the brown hair. That's Luke Cage's fling. The other girl? Oh, Jessica Jones? Jessica Jones. I like that show got canceled. Dum, 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 dum. Whatever. You're canceled. Okay. Wow. Zombie, <laughs> zombie apocalypse. And you can, because he also loves zombie things. Um, and he makes me watch them. And I hate oh, him for it. Have you seen Kingdom? Not yet. I want no, to, though. I, I have a cute. I have to watch it's it. Good. We got to okay. talk that. Um, you can only take three things. What are they? For a zombie apocalypse? Yes. And one of them has to be me. <laughs> You're not a thing. <laughs> two things. You're not a thing. You're not a thing. Okay, fine. Three objects, things? Objects, yes. Objects. <clears throat> uh, a machete. After you made fun of me first. So using... you can make tequila? <laughs> so I can make tequila. I said tequila like it was like tequila. Um, I would actually take um, a machete, okay. uh, a, machete uh, a first aid kit, and a handgun. <laughs> You're such a dad. I'll get the first aid kit. First aid kit. <laughs> yeah, those alcohol wipes are going to last you all of like five yeah. seconds. <laughs> well, the bandages and stuff, and then I can okay. put things in the box later. There's stuff in the bandage kit that you're like, what is that? Like, I mean, you know, there like, is, yeah. Like, what is, what is this weird? So, because my mom was a nurse, I actually knew what all those things were. Really? Yes. Good job. You all right. I'm gonna, Congrats. I'm going to okay. push you. So, if you could see anyone <laughs> in concert, who would it be? <gasps> do, 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 do. Amigos Invisibles. You've already seen them in concert. That's, you didn't say that That's wasn't the fair. question. You said, who would I see in concert? Not Semantics. who have I not seen. Okay. <laughs> this is a question because the world needs to know. Who is your first crush? Your My hit. first crush, but not like a real person, like not like a oh. oh the wife Sally. doesn't want to hear the real crush. No, 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 she wants no, no, to hear no. like the fake no, crush. No, because I want to know about like the uh, superstar. Who's your first superstar? Give us real crush. crush. First superstar crush? Yes. Oh, Janet Jackson. Let's see, Janet Jackson. He yeah. went black and he never went back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so when I was a little kid, before I could even speak English, uh, we would watch Different Strokes. Uh huh. And not not Different Strokes. Um, I was about to say, I was like, I said uh huh, but I was like, uh, I'm gonna let you have that one. What is it? You take the good, you take the bad, you take them both. Facts, 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 facts of life, facts of life, facts of life. Yeah. So, um, Rudy? Uh, no, wait, it was no Good Times. God, I can't <laughs> even process. So yeah, man. I'm tired. Um, good Times, and she played Penny. Good uh-huh. Times. Good Times. Yeah. And and I like the first time I saw her, I was like playing toy with some toys and like watching the show i looked up i was like "Ooh, ta bonita and then my dad was like again i was like La muchacha. and then my <laughs> dad's like eh. <laughs> and i was like what what did rudy say what is that what is that Rudy's rudy. like, eh. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> much later rudy and i actually had a conversation because i was actually dating an african-american girl in high school and he had some choice words about what that would do to my kids man I told Jalisco, man. No offense to Jalisco. I told told Rudy in front of my dad and my uncle, I was like, your best friends is darker than anything and the other one's lighter than you. So I don't know what you're talking about. Shut up and leave my personal life alone. But so anyways, side note. So favorite tequila brand? Don Julio. Really? That's a good one. Uh, I'm, I'm I thought I thought it'd be better. I'm just joking. 
My top five. Okay. You said my top five in I order. I said one, but okay, fine. In in oh, order, uh, Don Julio Herradura. Yeah, uh, that's what I was looking for, man. Oh, there's Siete Leguas. You don't even have Siete Leguas. Siete Leguas. You ever heard Chinaco? Yes. Oh, this is like, like a free that. advertisement for all these. <laughs> no, it is. It's like, it is, right? Chinaco, that's the smoothest Casadores. If you have not had Chinaco. And then Casadores, and then what's Patron? Patron is good. Is the Patron, one. people like to hate on it. It's good. It's solid. It is good. It's, I like it. But it's really good. Don Julio, not chilled. Yeah. And just a simple little shot and put in with some do it, squirt. Añejo, plata, or what do you do? Plata. Plata. Oh, plata. really? My, my grandfather loves añejo, and I'm like, I don't know how you do how your throat survives. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> it's smoky. It's like really Okay, two last questions. Okay, two last go. questions. You got to wrap it up. Okay, so why do you identify as Mexican-American and not Chicano? I don't even identify as Mexican-American. What? I identify as Mexican. Well, that's right. Uh, tell me about this. I'm, I'm fascinated. So, okay. This, yeah. I, so this I is interesting because my, I teared up. So when the baby <laughs> was born, when Luz Maria was born, my dad called my grandfather uh, he just passed away uh, mm. in January. Oh, um, sorry to hear that. Baby was born in, in May, and so my dad gets on the phone, and he calls my grandfather, and he was like, hey, uh, we finally put down roots mm. in the U.S. And, like, I my eyes teared up. And I was oh. like, we're, like, for my dad, he had always had it in his head since I was a kid that one, he had this illusion in his head that one day we would, my, my mom, my dad and me, we would all move back to Mexico. Yeah. And he'd always joked that I was, that my, you know, that I would say, my dad would be like, we're moving to Mexico. Are you ready to go? I'm like, no, I want to go to school here. And yeah. so whatever, um, I'm a dual citizen. Um, I am the son of, uh, an undocumented, uh, Mexican immigrant and a, a, a Southern Tejana, but roots being what roots are. I, I didn't, I always felt like an outsider living in an American space, right? Mm -hmm. Like the whole Ulysses thing. They make you feel that way. Uh, and, and so I, I'm okay with that concept. But when my dad said that we finally had roots, um, it, it meant like there was this acknowledgement that I was, more this than yeah. that and that this child is now the start of that next branch of the family yeah. here in the states and so like i was very much like in one sense i was like oh dad thought of this yeah. and then it's still though like we're still some kind of vestige of something in this space and so like i i yeah if i had to say not chicano i don't I have always associated the word Chicano with like things that are California and things from like the the movement. Yeah, but I've never. There's also like post Chicano. People forget about that in the '90s. Right. That was yeah. the thing where like and people are like, why aren't you Chicano? I'm like, whoa, there's already a post Chicano and like, what is this? Does this have a name? What is this? I, and I was like, I and I could because I always associated with the movimiento from that time era and the way things were focused and moving forward. It didn't really feel like. And the, the other part to it for me as well was. Uh, growing up in a space like Jalisco, as regionally different as it is from northern Mexico, mm -hmm. all my gente, if I wanted to be in a space that felt like my Mexico, I'd have to go to California or Illinois. Yeah, there's a lot of people from Jaliciences yeah. in those two spaces. San Diego. In Texas, yeah. 
it's it's in northern Mexico. It's people from Monterrey and San Luis. That's my family, yeah. And and but then you go to New York and it's people out of Puebla. So like even feeling even more kind of outsidery because of the things that even the way you fix food, <laughs> like a tostada for my house for so New good. Year's yeah. is so different so than good. than a northern menudo. Have you ever had menudo in Jalisco? Yes. Where they bring you this plate of like a white bowl. Right. I'm like, what the fuck? That, is this? that. and it's like that's yeah. to me. So the first time I ate menudo. Yeah. Here I was like, what is that? Yeah, but so like, but it's different than even menudo in northern Mexico. It, it is. is. It is. Out, but man. even if you look at like like it, it, some dishes like pozole, like yeah, pozole verde from from the capital from yeah. Mexico City with chicken. I didn't have that until I was teaching, and like, really, yeah. But the teacher next door, his wife made some and he brought some to work, and I was like, the hell is that? Dude, there's this pozole from Veracruz that's like it's ridiculous. Thick. It's awesome. It's, yeah, I'm it's, it's like my food. okay. Sorry, sorry, you're okay. right. It's <laughs> heart and so the question was, <laughs> let's talk about pozole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me talk about pozole after the, the okay. podcast. What? Because um, no, okay. Yeah. So, so you're identify as Mexican, not Mexican American. So I need to change those lines in my book. Clearly, I don't know who I married. Um, <laughs> you don't. Now I'm, I'm, I'm okay. With, I know what you're because people ask you what are you, what are you, right. and when you're right. in Texas, you say I'm Mexican. Yeah. yeah, you are Mexican. Mexican, because yeah. that's it's how not like everybody. A nationality. It's like yeah. this is who I am. well, because the thing is, like, yeah. I, when I actually when I read that piece that says, you know, uh, when you marry a Mexican American, and then someone like corrected me, I was like, oh, you mean Chicano? I was like, no. No, he does not identify as no. Chicano, and they're not the same thing. And so we had like a conversation about it, and they're like, well, why doesn't Lupe identify as Chicano? I was like, you'll have to ask him. I just know he <laughs> yeah. doesn't use that word. People for get turned up about it. Yeah, they do, yeah. and I think so. it's I think it's generational. Like, totally. there are people who were fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh generation that can trace that can calmly trace their roots sure. to when the border shifted, mm-hmm. and there are some of us that can't. Yeah, like anybody who's associated to. Kingsville, like La Quilena, that whole stretch of land between on the way down to the valley. Yeah. Unless you're brown and no Texas in that vein, yeah. nobody knows what the hell La Quilena is. And it's there's no gas stations, there's no lights, there's nothing because it's all private property. Yeah. But those lands were deeded and robbed from Mexican families. By the given, Texas Rangers. By the Texas Rangers. And then they belong to like viceroys and shit from previous era and so like that history if you don't like i'm not associated to that history i don't have i don't have skin in that game so for me to say that i'm chicano from that region it doesn't apply to me like my residency and understanding of this space begins with my father and my mother moving to this space and because my house was all Spanish and I can close my eyes and drive my ass all the way to my grandparents' house in Mexico without fear of nothing like that for me is more my understanding of the world than not knowing Spanish did you have Picadillo in the house? We yeah. Did it have papa in it? The, sometimes. Oh, yeah. you're, you're Mexican, man. You're Mexican. Because he christened you, you're done. I am a Mexican national. I'm done. We christened. Thanks. Last quick question: What do you do for self care? Since you are a man of many traits, um, how do you make sure to keep it all together? Especially when I'm nagging you and yelling at you that you do everything wrong. I, I first of all, I breathe. Uh, I, I take real good stock uh, and I, my one mantra has always been that Jasmine's heard me say this when everything feels like it's about to break apart. Um, I literally will say out loud just to remind myself, patience is a virtue. Like yeah. 
everything could be going wrong in a particular way, but that moment will pass and keep your eye on the long game. Like yeah. making sure that those things are like adjusting the brain to understand that this too is going to be a thing that happens and then getting past it in as calm as possible a thing. Um, I used to be much more reactionary when I was younger. And then I, I, I would, I guess, meta, metacognitively be like, is that working? Yeah. And so now I just try to find what's the easiest path to get what I need and what the other person needs. And then how can we get there in a way that makes sense? Um, Do you feel like your writing has changed you? I think writing gave me more confidence to be able to say the things I've always wanted to say. There are still moments where like I can walk into a room and people are talking about books and writers and I'm like, I don't know who the fuck that is. And I'm okay with that because nobody's going to do this particular vein of writing the way I am. I don't know if I'm ever going to garner some massive award. Um, but if what I've put together in Candela, whatever gente is around it, then shit, I did my job and I'm not, I don't have to worry about much else. Like my, my long goal game for all that, if I could get my ass into the Texas Institute of Letters, that'd be dope as hell. Yeah. And, and then we got to talk about that afterwards. Right. Like, yeah. so the self-care piece too is, is I can sit down and I can chill out, relax in my house and watch whatever the hell I have queued and ready to go. I, I work in so many facets and in front of so many people that the downtime of just sitting and just breathing sometimes is, is all I need. Yeah. And so we've been talking to Lupe Mendez discussing his book, Why I Am Like Tequila, uh, out uh, this weekend by Willow Books. Um, the book launch is happening on Sunday, May 5th at Rec Room Houston from 7 to 9. Where can people uh, learn a little bit more about you, Lupe? You can follow me on Twitter uh, at, at the Poet Mendez and for all the poets and writers stuff that I'm working on at Houston PW. Um, I have my website, uh, thepoetmendez.org. Uh, I'm on Facebook. Just look up Lupe Mendez and you'll see me with sunglasses and a sombrero. And uh, Instagram at El Lupis, L U P I S. Which so is what things. friends call me Lupis. in Spain is Lupis. Lupis. It's so funny. And I'm like, Lupis, oh, so close to Lapis. It's right? kind of cool. That's kind of cool. Um, but so, yeah, those are all the ways you can reach me. Thank you, Lupe. So, uh, again, uh, I am Jasmine Mendez. My co host for this episode was Daniel Peña. Yeah. Thank you for joining us and lovely conversation and questions. Uh, thanks to Josh, as always, thanks, Josh. for doing the sound editing for us and um, the house at Imprint and all the Imprint folks. Um, and we'll catch you guys next time for another episode of Inkwell. When we're back. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. Have a good night, guys. Good night. Thank you for listening to Inkwell, a collaboration between Tintero Projects and Imprint in Houston, Texas, a city with a wellspring of literary activity. Inkwell is hosted by Jasmine and Lupe Mendez of Tintero Projects, produced by Rich Levy and Krupa Parikh of Imprint, and recorded, engineered, and edited by Josh Walker with 150 Media House. Inkwell is made possible by a grant from the City of Houston through the Houston Arts Alliance 
and Imprint's other generous supporters. For more information, visit imprinthouston.org or tinteroprojects.wordpress.com. For feedback on this and future episodes, email inkwell at imprinthouston.org. We also invite listeners near and far to attend our readings and workshops. Until next time, keep reading and keep writing.